Jesus Christ. Trust in God and God will make your path straight and in all things and everything, lean on God for your understanding. Please be seated. It's an interesting reading that makes up part of this section of, of Luke from chapter 12, verse 1 to 13, verse 9. And in most of the commentaries I've read and reflected on, it labels it as the rules for discipleship or readiness for the coming judgment. We are in a part of the gospel where Jesus is continuing his journey to Jerusalem and ultimately his death and resurrection. Jesus continues instructing his disciples on how to be preoccupied with the idea that their names are written in heaven rather than focusing on earthly-based concerns or worries, as we read in Colossians today, focusing on what is in heaven rather than what is on earth. In many ways, what we, when we focus on things that are on earth rather than things that are on heaven, we have ideas that are based on fear, worry, anxiety, and our need for comfort. There are testing times ahead, and Jesus is reminding each of the disciples that a relationship with God will get them through life more than doing things with the, in their own power and relying on the materialistic possessions. As it was for the disciples in the gospel, and so it is for us as disciples here and now, a full and personal relationship with God will get us through life. And we must continue to develop that through prayer, reading our Bible, having fellowship with each other, and of course, abiding in our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the rich man, we can see what happens when there is no full and personal relationship with God. Having travelled the Holy Land before I was ordained, I went through and followed the Gospel of Mark with the, with the tour that I was a part of. And you actually get to see just how barren and how harsh the land is. When we think of the great sandy desert in Australia and we think of the great sandy beaches that we are surrounded by and that uh, Lalani and Robin, who I would jealously say when they were in Cairns, would have enjoyed nice sandy beaches. Beautiful, yes. Uh, yet when we go to Israel, it's rocky, it's rocky desert. When we go to the beaches in Europe, they tend to be rocky, pebble-type beaches. And they're very harsh. And they're very hard to... And it's a very harsh land. And you have a sense of, you have a higher sense of your fragility and uncertainty in the way you live your life there. So the preoccupation of the rich man to build up his care for himself and provisions wasn't, was not misplaced. It was a harsh land and he needed to survive. But the problem with it is that he relies on the crops and the provisions ahead of his security in God. In the story, we see a figure of a man who is self-sufficient and does not need anyone else. He looks to set himself up in a way that he can provide for himself and his provisions will take, many care, many, will take care of him for many years ahead. Indeed, he says, my soul will be cared for for many years ahead. There is no evidence in the parable of his thoughts of 
how he might help others with what he has and the riches that he has gained. The rich man's innermost thoughts reveal that he has no sense of responsibility for anyone except himself, which then takes us into the idea of greed. When we are doing things, when we are doing things with greed, we have a sense of self, but we don't have a sense of other. And one of the things that brings us into relationship with God more than anything else is our time of fellowship and interaction with each other, sharing the difficulties of the week and encouraging each other on how to allow God to speak into those moments. When you are alone, when you are sitting alone in a room, as we might have been over the COVID lockdown period, you'd know that very often your mind drifts away from thoughts of God into difficulty, fear, worry. And it is our time of fellowship that brings us together. So greed has eaten away any compassion that he might have had for his fellow, for his fellow people. And so it closed down the ability to rely on God and to even know God. And all that is left is his continual pursuit of prosperity. In the parable, the rich man's goods and prosperity have become the sole purpose of his life until his poverty in having so much abundance is exposed. The rich farmer has the desire to possess material, materialistic wealth. He fills his barns and wants more and more. And yet in the parable, Jesus shows that the focus on consuming and accumulating things ends in nothing. Jesus shows clearly that materialistic goals have possessed the man so much that he now defines himself by what he possesses rather than being defined by the fact that he has been convicted by God and his name is written in heaven. The truth is, no matter how much material prosperity we have, it cannot protect us from disease, from trials and tribulations. It cannot protect us from death or accidents. No amount of wealth that we hold on to can keep our relationships healthy and our families from falling apart. Indeed, as a priest, I see, I see and hear stories of people who have so much wealth that it actually gets in the way of keeping the family together and holding people that are holding your loved ones with any affection. Now, God doesn't have anything against abundance and looking after our care in times of trouble. In Genesis, we read another story of barns being built and grain being stored when we read the story of Joseph and how he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. Many barns were made, many, much grain was stored because they had to, in the dream, they were told there would be seven years of famine. So Joseph was in charge of making sure there was enough to get the nation of Egypt through that famine. Joseph was able to interpret that dream and use that dream to keep the whole nation and other nations that surrounded Egypt safe and well. So God doesn't have a problem in us having things to allow ourselves to care for, to be cared for and to be looked after. 
But what he has a problem is when, he take, when we take God out of the equation. In the story of Joseph, God is intimately connected to that, to that story. Without God, Egypt would have, without God allowing Joseph to re, re, um, interpret the dream, Egypt would have crumbled. And so would the nations around them. But Joseph was part of God's plan to redeem all of creation. So we too have to understand that whatever wealth we've got isn't evil in itself, as long as we allow God to be part of the home that we have and part of the people that we serve. God is our source of life and we need to make sure that God is part of that equation at all times and in all places and spaces. Now we might want to acquire and enhance our riches and this could be fed by our frailty and our own uncertainty. But we can't ever allow that uncertainty and frailty and looking to provide ourselves with things to ever come in the way of attending to our relationship with God in prayer, in studying the Bible and in our relationship with each other. Material security does not end disease, accident or death. Material wealth cannot help, tra- help us transcend those circumstances that pain our hearts. And it can't save us from eternal death. That is God's place in our life. And unless we allow the space and place of God in all times and all places, we will not be able to cope with that in our own power. It is out of deep fear that our acquisitive instinct grows monstrous. Life seems so frail and many possessions might be required for us to navigate life and to put those, put those frailties to the side. And it might be very easy for us to say, yep, no, look, Rev Rob, I'm going to walk out of here today and I'm not going to focus about my possessions. It's a very easy thing to say, but it's a hard thing to do until we go down and allow God into the vulnerable part of ourselves to know what it is that is driving us. Because there is something beautiful inside you that is giving you a message and saying keep keep thinking about where you're headed understand where you're headed but that beautiful message without God's interpretation as Joseph interpreted the dream can sometimes lead us away from God so I ask you to offer to God all the things that are really deeply hidden in your heart to think about what it may be that drives you to hold on to possessions. Jesus' teaching today is about controlling fear so as not to generate an obsessive concern with possessions. And the conflict facing us as disciples today is not simply one between possessing materialistic goods or being generous and giving them away. It is about how we respond as disciples to the spiritual forces that surround us and how do we keep letting the Holy Spirit into the depths of our vulnerability, into the heart, mind and soul so that we know how to serve our Lord God 
in the best way possible. So as we look to our current context, what, does, what would Jesus say? If Jesus was here today sharing this parable, what would he be saying to us? He might be asking us, what kind of treasure do you hold on to? What kind of treasure do we hold, up, hold on to as a church? What structures have you got in place that try and deal with your vulnerability and your frailty and your worry, but might be excluding God? What, what structures do we have as a church that might be doing that? Have you built up your desires in prayer, discernments, and the power of the Holy Spirit? Or have you come to this place in your life based on fear, worry, and anxiety? Because you might be feeling very fragile and uncertain in your life. He might be asking, is it time to tear down some of the things that you have put together that have come out of the energies of fear and worry? Is it time for us as a church to tear some of the things down that we have held on to, that are no longer serving our relationship with God? But then again, there's also things to hold on to because when God comes into our life, the history of our life is not all something that we can throw away. There are many blessings and things that we hold on to. So there are things that we need to keep but what new things can we add? What are some of the amazing things that are out there that we haven't lifted our head up because we've been worried and looking down? When we lift our head up, God's in front of us, leading us. Where, he, where is he leading us? Now, there are no simple answers to any of these questions for our personal lives or for either of our worship campuses. Each worship campus has different gifts to offer and different ways to offer them. But Jesus calls us to discern between the treasures we have stored up for, this, for ourselves in our own strength and power and to look for the riches that we find in God. If we find it hard to tell the difference, then maybe it is timely to read this parable of the rich fool and note the warning for us. If our dearest treasure can be bought or sold, if it must be kept under lock and key, can I suggest that it certainly means more to us than it does to our Lord God? Have a look around you. Just have a turn around. If you're sitting at the front, just have a look behind you. And if you're sitting at the back, just look around at the people that are here. In your mind's eye, think of someone that might be absent from our worship space today. Think of someone in your mind's eye that you miss deeply and you wish they were here worshipping with you. You see, these are the treasures of our Lord God. You are the treasures of our Lord God. As a church, not the people, not the building, but as the people... We are the ones that have our names written in heaven. And so we need to treasure each other and love each other and to look after each other just as we have been exploring over the last few weeks. Let's treasure each other with the love of the Lord, the love that we have explored, 
and look for ways to enhance and help this grow each and every time that we meet together on Sundays or during the week or whenever it might be. To have that moment where we smile and cheerfully acknowledge each other in fellowship and love. The Lord be with you.